Quarter Notions is brought to you by FaceFace Games, Canada's number one source for magic singles and products. Check us out at facefacegames.com. Wanting to stick that into my uh, <laughs> <laughs> my black red okay. deck. All right, Adina. Next time, don't pause for it emphasis at that point. Hello, good evening and welcome to episode 59 of Horde of Notions. I'm your host Chris. With me tonight we have the full crew. First of all, it's Adina. Hello everybody. We've got Will. There were only 12 thrag tusks in the uh, GP uh, Charleston top 8. And we have Travis. Only 12, are you sure about that? As far as I can see, there's 4 in Brad's deck, 4 in Brian Easton's deck, and 4 in Morgan Chang's deck. It's a shame that Brad didn't top eight. Though. Really? Oh, whoops! That's no, not Brad. Who's who's the other guy? I've heard, oh, it's Reed Duke. <laughs> they look alike, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Okay, that's a good start. So we've got a full plate ahead of us this week. We're going to jump uh, right in and start with some news, as we are the FNM-centered podcast on here on the MTG Cast Network. The news that from January onwards, FNMs will be able to be modern format is something that we should probably cover. What are your thoughts on this, guys? I think it's awesome. Well, you would. There are squirrels in modern. There is a squirrel in modern, and it's in a land. <laughs> but don't worry, I've got a foil one from Jack LaCroix, so I'll be putting it in every modern deck I have now. So basically, all my decks are going to have 59 cards and a swarm yard. Hey, it gets Delva. <laughs> you could have regenerates just, Delva. Could have just had it in, you know, your sideboard. Regenerates Pack Rat. Squirrel main deck, not sideboard. Will come on, get with the program. My bad. Regenerates Giant Solifuge. I'm just going to keep. Hey, it has me. legitimate uses. It, it <laughs> regenerates Pack Rat. I just said that. Do you think this has anything to do with the fact that they reprinted the Shocklands? So now a lot of the people have those anyway for standard, and they're easier to get, and so now it's not as difficult to get into the modern because you've got better access to the land base. So now the general populace will be more interested in playing modern. I think that's their hope. That's part of it. I think that they're also setting up for modern masters to be huge. What I'm hoping is that a lot of stores that can run two FNMs We'll run a standard one and a modern one, and they'll have like 10 or 12 people at the modern one to start with. But some of the people who are hanging around for the standard one will see modern, will want to get into it, will start buying up some cards, and then when Modern Masters comes out, they're all going to want to grab hold of it. And this way they can actually sanction an event following Modern Masters. It's like, hey, look, you open these cards, you want to play them? We're playing it next week. And, of course, they have said that they're not... I think Aaron replied to me on Twitter and said, Aaron Forsyth, that they are not releasing event decks for Modern Masters. But 
There's nothing stopping them doing a a modern centered dual deck, for example. Right, but they said that they're printing modern masters so that people can get modern reprints. Well, sure, but, but all you have yeah, to do is look at... Yeah, but that's the one product that they're bringing out. All you have to do is look at Is It versus Golgari and see some of the modern staples that were in that. Right, but it's like... I mean, if you want them to just reprint modern staples that are, like, say, lower on the food chain, I don't think they have a problem with that. Whatever, if they come out with, like, Boros versus Gruul or something like that, then they'll probably be in there. Like, you know, you can get a Lightning Helix or something like that. But they're not going to... Okay. Like, their key, their goal, obviously, is to push this Modern Masters. So they're not going to be giving out, say, higher-profile cards in uh, dual decks or whatnot when they want people to be buying a product of Modern no, Masters. No, I, I agree. Do you but think I mean, that like, this means that they'll move the F&M Rewards cards back to Modern up, or will it stick to just being standard legal? What do you mean standard legal? They've been giving out... There's some of the cards that they gave out not now, but I don't know what it is now, but like a while back, that were like standard legal for a day. But that's also, they're not, also they're not good, most of them. That is it's true. like, why do I want this? Who wanted Teetering Peaks, really? Really, Lingering Souls wasn't good? I said there's a bunch of them that aren't. There's exceptions okay. to the rule. <laughs> yeah. But I think as well, like you can already get Lightning Helix and Path to Exile in the uh, Johnny versus Nicol Bolas dual deck. You can also get a Johnny in that, which was uh, seeing some high table play at the most recent GP in Chicago. That red-white control deck looks so much fun. Right, but, I mean, they're not selling those, right, to basically increase people's interest in modern. They're basically selling for no. people that are, say, on a smaller budget and have decks that are already built to play. Sure, but this is the sort of thing they've been doing, is putting some of the 6 $8 uncommons in dual decks because they fit the dual deck, but they also make them available to people who want to get into modern. What's six $8 uncommons are in dual decks? Path to Exile, Isochron Scepter, Lightning Helix is about 4 to 5 bucks. Huh? Do they put Eternal Witness in one? Eternal Witness is 5 bucks. Okay, when I think 6 to $8, I think Spell Snare. And uh, Spell Snare is nine. Remand is only six. Um, right, but like Kitchen Fix is one that they I haven't mean, done. I mean, Isakron Scepter isn't really a modern. Isn't a modern staple. Eternal yeah, Witness was, is fringe playable. Well, Isakron Scepter is, just needs a deck. It's like Ether Vial, right? Ether Vial is eighteen bucks, right? Yeah, now. but it's too slow. Yeah, maybe. Like I mean, I I right just now. Well, today. I changed the Modern Stormless that I was playing to make it uh, the one that Finkel was running at the uh, at the uh, Pro Tour, and like this thing goes off turn three, like not even trying. Have you seen? Just to sidetrack a bit, have you seen the Epic Experiment Storm deck that, Math that Matthias Hunt was running? At yeah, I, I played against it today in the two man queues. It's it's capable of some pretty stupid things. Yeah, it's basically whoever wins the die roll against Storm wins. Yeah. So my yeah, modern is capable of some very stupid things. So we will have a modern primer show a little closer to January when you can actually start playing in it. Just to give some of you who aren't interested in modern right now an idea of how to get into the format, what are some of the decks to watch out for, some of the metagame choices you can make. Uh, in the meantime, though, let's talk about what we've been playing recently. Uh, Adina, we haven't had you on for a while. You've been gallivanting around the country. 
What, have, what have you been yeah. playing? I have been playing a lot, a lot, a lot of limited. Obviously, I went to two different limited PTQs, so in the one in Montana and the one in Utah. And then this weekend, I actually took off and relaxed and watched coverage and, and didn't uh, go somewhere to play. Uh, but uh, obviously, I was playing Friday Night Magic and some other things, and I don't really have a standard deck. Uh, the standard deck that I've been running at FNM is a um, Jun Zombies list that's not anybody else's list. It's just kind of some cards I threw together, and it does about 50-50. You know, if they get the Thrag Tusk before I can kill them, then they win. If they don't, then I win. So uh, a lot of it depends on the die roll, depends on... You know, whether or not I have to mulligan, um, the deck really doesn't mulligan very well. So <clears throat> I'm not sure. I, I kind of want to run something. I'm thinking more aggro with either more haste creatures or um, something more Rakdos-centric or, or I don't know. I, I just haven't quite figured out exactly what I want to run. So so this is actually a good weekend to watch coverage and, and see what decks are out there. <laughs> How have you been doing in limited? What have you been? How have you been finding the format? Um, really swingy. There's so many, just such good cards that are in the format that can take over, um, and there are so many different strategies that it doesn't seem like it matters. There's there's not like a set thing where, um, okay, you want to kind of go for this, and then you're going to be really good. Like pack rat is fabulous. But if you deal with pack rat, you know, you got to have other stuff in your deck. And uh, Collective Blessing is just a total beating when you're playing against it. But if they don't draw it, then sometimes you can just smash right through. I tend to lean more towards the Rakdos. So I've had really good luck drafting um, super aggressive Rakdos decks. Um, I had a deck with um, Desecration Demon. I really like that card. Um and, yeah, just lots of removal because there's just not very much removal going around. Uh, so the more you can get, the better off you are. Yeah, well, have you, you've done a lot of drafting. Do you, uh, you find that mirrors your reflection on the format? I don't know. Most there's, I get the feeling there's a lot of people I draft with that are bad, that, like, <laughs> don't... Well, no, but, I mean, it's fine to have, you know, say, they're looking for a coherent plan... But when I can just draft, you know, a deck that has 15 grizzly bears, like, you're not going to be, you're not going to out-tempo me. Like, it's nice that you have all your fatties, but I'm just like, hit you for two, hit you for four, hit you for six, hit you for eight, I win. So, I, I like, there's a lot of, I think people are too focused on kind of staying within, you know, their guilds or their strategies, like it, I mean, you shouldn't be, you know, going like eight colors or something like that. But if you can kind of just sneak in with drafting all the aggressive guys, not necessarily Rakdos, but just a lot of the aggressive guys, for, and from Selesnya and uh, Azorius, there's actually a whole lot too. Then uh, you uh, you have a pretty good shot there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely evasive creatures are really good. I mean, it, it kind of depends on what you open in your first pack and what you see past you in, like, packs two and three. Because that's really going to determine, you know, what you're going to be looking for. Whether you're looking for a Selesnya aggro strategy or, you know, whether you're in a color where there's hardly any removal, so you want to grab that really high. Um, you know, is it? There's some really good stuff. I've seen some, some just really brutal blue-red decks. Um, that people have drafted. 
So, I mean, it just kind of depends on what you see at the very beginning. But uh, good aggressive creatures, things to do on turns one, two, and three are pretty important because a lot of the decks don't have anything to do before turn three or four. Travis, have you done any drafting? Not recently. I did a couple drafts um, a couple weeks ago, but uh, I won my last one, so I thought, eh, I've mastered the format. I don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> I mean, obviously, boogie, uh, the boogeyman of the format is Packrat, but interestingly enough, I got the uh, the MTGO newsletter this week, and Collective Blessing is actually winning more drafts when it's pack one, pick one than Packrat is. I could see that. I totally believe that. I think it's because it's harder to answer and because it hits the board and wins the game, whereas Packrat needs a few turns to actually become lethal. Well, assuming your board has something else other than a collective blessing. Well, let's hope so by turn six. I mean, the card is, is disgusting. It's I mean, it's almost a permanent overrun, it's, and how good has overrun always been? The, yeah. It doesn't have the trample, but they consistently say plus three, plus three, so yeah, it's stupid. Plus, so, well, it's going to be in the colors that promote having lots of creatures to begin with. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, Will, what have you been playing? Uh, playing a PTQ. I've done some drafts. I was playing, uh, well, standard, I've been playing Reanimator as well. Uh, but I've actually, this past kind of week, I've been really busy with a whole lot of other things that kind of, I can't focus my attention. And I mean that literally, because I've had a migraine for the past six days. <laughs> but uh, actually, the past, over the weekend, it's kind of gotten better. So I've been uh, spending some money building up uh, some modern decks on uh, MTGO and just kind of testing that, seeing what there is that people are playing and how they're being played. Uh, since GP Toronto is coming up uh, in three weekends, two weekends, two, uh, three weekends from now. Is it December third and fourth? That's the 8th and 9th, is it not? Well, 7, 8, 9, that weekend? Yes. Okay, yes, okay. so right. three weekends. Yeah. So I figured I might as well, you know, play a bit of modern if I'm going to show up to uh, a constructed GP. I can't just probably I, a good idea. I can't just rely on Travis, mostly because his information is just completely wrong. Hey, if you'd like, I, I will build you a deck that I will guarantee will go at least, you know, 3 and 4. Yeah, I already told you that you need to be working on the Enter the Infinite Omniscience deck. So We're not going to talk about that because it's not confirmed. Yeah, but you need to get on that anyways. <laughs> How about just an Omniscience deck? No, it needs to have more ridiculous blue cards in it. It should have a dichotomy. It should have, like, every single blue card that costs, I don't know, eight or more in spells. They should all be in there. How about I just build you an Octopus deck? That doesn't seem very good. I mean, it would be blue. Or Kraken deck. <laughs> that way you can you can put your deck down and just dare, tell your opponent you're going to unleash the Kraken on him. Hey, look, this podcast just jumped the shark. <laughs> uh, no, he said Octopus and Kraken. I don't think there's any sharks. Come on, Chris, get with the program. Are we playing Quest for Ula's Temple? Is that what we're playing? No, a real man pays for his Krakens. Um, what have you been playing, Travis? <laughs> I have been making people rage quit left and right. I like that. I like that a lot. It's like just something I about play. losing to terrible fog that just makes people feel like they're they're insignificant and not beneath you. 
Yes, I've been the, uh, I've been continuing to uh, refine the Turbo Fog deck. How's it uh, How's it looking now? It's I like it. Now, considering that uh, a deck with Hellrider won Grand Prix Charleston, if the format takes a swing that way, it's not going to be good. But if it takes a swing towards Craterhoof Behemoth, it's still good. I'm sorry, uh, you have incorrectly pronounced the name of that card. Well, how can we pronounce that correctly? Hellrider. Thank you. Yeah, a friend of mine, one of the Twinges, actually, took your Turbo Fog list to FNM. Sweet, how'd he do? No, he didn't play it. He just took the deck and built two FNM. <laughs> 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 Did he just, you know, after the game, he said, hey, check out this deck. Oh, my God. I'm so glad I'm not playing this. <laughs> this pile. You mad, bro? <laughs> I brought in case there's no TP in the bathroom. <laughs> actually, actually, you know, I saw a couple of different people were playing kind of, there were a couple of different weird combo decks that I saw at FNM. One of them was definitely, it was a fog deck with um, Sands of Delirium and uh, Psychic, is it, um, Psychic, uh, yeah, Psychic Spiral, and uh, just, you know, a bunch of safe passage and um, the populate fog and some board white, stuff like that, and it was just... I felt bad. The, the poor guy that was playing against him was playing aggro, and he just couldn't do anything, and he was complaining and whining. And I'm like, well, that's how the deck works. Duh. I mean, have you never seen this? Of course you've seen it. And he's like, I'm just sitting here doing nothing. Like, well, yeah, that's that's kind of what happens. You swing, they fog, and continue. Um, but uh, there was also this other crazy combo deck that I saw with uh, stuffed dolls, and um, a lot of enchantments, so that basically you can't attack into them unless you pay X for how many enchantments they have. And then they have lots of O-rings and detention spheres um, and pacifism type of enchantments. So they have a ton of enchantments, and then they play Stuffy Doll, and then um, they play uh, the... Ethereal Armor. Uh, no, I was going to say... Um, the 13 damage to all creatures that, you know, cost less for each creature on the board. So basically, Blasphemous Act. Yeah, bla- uh, is it Blasphemous Act or is it Devil? No, it's Blasphemous, Blasphemous Act. Okay, so yeah, Devil's, I think they had Devil's Play in it too, but they had Blasphemous Act, and so they play that when they have four stuffy dolls, so they deal, you know, 52 damage directly to you um, in one big shot. So that, that was a pretty interesting combo deck, you know, that kind of stall, 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 you can't do anything. Oh, now there's a million creatures, so now I can play this for free. So apparently someone listens to Chris Lansdale. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people listen to Chris Lansdale. On a side note, want- if anyone can find some Italian breeding pools, I need to, I need to get my hands on those. Yeah, I, I need an Italian birthing pod. Because they're called Ponza Prolifica. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, but no, the um, the Turbo Fog deck went two and two. He played mono red in one match. Yeah, that's a tough one. And he didn't know how to sideboard against uh, red, white, blue mid-range. Did the mono red player have Hellriders at least? Sorry, did he have what? Hellriders. I don't know. With mono red, you you really need um, witchbane orb, or you're probably going to lose just because they're going to see enough cards to burn you out. 
All right. But did he have Hellrider? Oh, yeah, he had that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with Turbo Fog, you want to dodge that that red matchup. But, I mean, if you're playing the, the mid-range decks, all these Thragtus decks, you're, uh, like, reanimate, you're almost uh, guaranteed to be reanimate because they're helping you put all these cards in the graveyard and they have no way to interact with your Fogs. So if you expect yeah. lots of Thragtus, lots of reanimate, it's a great choice. Right on. What about uh, Faith Mending? Have you been doing any of that? Not recently. Uh, I did get aggravated. I, I played like seven or eight red decks in a row, so I went back to Faith Mender just to crush those and just to feel that that satisfied ha 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 feeling again. Uh, did it work? Yes. The next two red oh. decks I faced, I, I finished the game at like ninety life. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> You're a bad person, and you should feel bad. Ah. So I've been playing uh, that green black mid range deck that Will and I brewed up a couple of shows ago. I splashed red for Rakdos Return in the main deck uh, with some Dreadbores in the board. Uh, the deck is just so much fun to play, except when you get C5 lands over two games. And I, I just really enjoyed uh, playing it at, at F&M. Didn't do so well, but I really enjoyed playing it, so that that's something anyway. Vraska is actually really good right now. I don't think she's very good in a metagame dominated by red decks, but... And against uh, the slower mid-range decks and the Jun decks, she can certainly de- do some damage. Uh, the uh, Desecration Demon is very good, too. Yeah, I played a PTQ yesterday. Rather not talk about it. <laughs> hey, 2 Open- is not bad for your first PTQ. It's not, no, it's, it's not a question of the record. It's like Wait, what the PTQ meant a lot. 2-2. Two and two. Unacceptable. You play PTQs all the way to the end. No, not in this case. There was just a lot of reasons for me to get out of there as quickly as possible. Um, yeah, I just I dropped it two and two because in a seven round event with 101 people, I wasn't top eighting with that. So, if I might ask, and you don't mind, um, who was the head judge? Uh, some guy from New Brunswick. Uh, okay, so you were right. Yes. Yeah, don't worry. I'm. Pretty sure at my first PTQ I probably like got DQ'd because I was playing illegal cards or something like that. <laughs> no, it was frustrating because I had Packrat and V2 Gazi Guildmate. I mean, two cards that can just win the game on their own, and they never—I never activated either of them. I cast them both, and they just died. That's generally how your bombs interact. How they work. So that's why you just wait and play Packrat turn five, so you can immediately activate it. Well, when you're playing against a five-color deck, which is the only time I drew Packrat, you don't know what sort of removal they've got. So running it out two or five isn't going to make much difference. Either they've got it or they haven't. Well, see, it's because you're, like, going through the card pool that you had, you're you're just lacking in those, like, greedy bombs. Well, Packrat is about as bommy as it gets. Right. I mean, like, I don't know why. I've kind of noticed that a lot of times what happens is, you know, those good cards that you have, that's what draws out their removal. So really it depends on all your support cards, you know, all your other creatures that are going to keep getting through because they're not threatening enough for them to waste their removal on it, but they're just threatening enough to keep pounding away and, and doing damage and getting through. Yeah, that wasn't even my my problem. Like the games, the two games I lost, one of them was just against flyers with knights, knightly valor on them. 
And the, the other round was against uh, a guy who just clogged up the ground with with Toke Selesnia, like with the Centaur tokens, before I could deal with him. Well, see, that's why, like, you, I mean, obviously, you know, the better players, in some cases, the better players would normally get through. But you need, I mean, the pools that you kind of need are either, say, the nuts in one color, or you need to have, like, some form of greedy bombs that you can play. Mm. Like, that's what I've been noticing. Like, don't get me wrong, right? There's a whole lot of pack rats around. But I went down to a PTQ uh, in Burlington, and the finals was uh, my one of my one of the people from Montreal, one of my buddies, uh, John Stern, who he's been to, like, 12 Pro Tours off of PTQs, yeah. and he lost in the finals to Dave Shields, who was clearly the best player in the room. Yes, well, he's he's been on the Pro Tour too, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been on the Pro Tour as many... Well, actually, I think John probably has more Pro Tour appearances, but he's certainly one of the one of the grinders from, like, that, say, New York, area. Massachusetts, yeah. Vermont, whole area there. Didn't he win a GP? I'm pretty sure Dave Shields has won a GP. Um, that but then again, so was John Stern. So. I think so, wasn't it? it was uh, no, reason. John Stern hasn't won a GP. Uh, you're thinking of John Smithers. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. Right on. Uh, so our main topic for today, though, is that since we had two standard Grand Prix this week, it's probably something that we should talk about and see how it's going to affect FNM in the co- next couple of weeks. And I think the one thing we can take away is that Brad Nelson is a freaking genius, and he broke the format. You mean a f- freaking genius? <laughs> An FF freaking genius, yes. <laughs> And he broke the format, and what he said on our show was absolutely right. That is a completely sweet deck. He loves playing it. People love the fact that he is playing it. And it's the best deck in standard. Was he calling it Rihanna Crater? Uh, no, it's called Hoof, There It Is, because that's what Brad wants to call it. Except, oh, okay. when, if, except when Brad lost, then it was called Hoof, There It Isn't. Aww. Well, use a one, so... Yeah. Yeah, but it's not Brad that won. Doesn't matter. Same deck. But you, has Yuza been on our cast? Not yet. Has is Yuza one of your new very best friends? No, although he does seem like a wicked nice guy. Oh, holy hell! Who's dying? Zombies. Zombies. <laughs> Hello. Okay. I'm pretty All sure right, that's good. the cool. deck that. Uh, Oh, no, sorry. Conley named his uh, the Cranberries because the Cranberries sing the song called Zombies. Zombie! Anyway. So, yeah, Crater Hoof Behemoth in the Hoof There It Is deck won GP Bachum, also known as GP Best Buy, because in Germany they're not allowed to give out cash prizes for magic. And Brad like, Nelson Kane was at 12. Gift cards, right? No, they're not allowed to give out gift cards either because they're cash equivalent. Which they just, got. Uh, can someone please name me a store that trades gift cards for cash? You're really well, they can be, be spent nuts. as cash. They can be spent as cash. They can that's turn around and sell them to someone who is going to buy something from the store for cash. Okay, yeah, that's but, what the law is in Germany. All right, but no, well, the uh, like the official wording, I think it was Wizards put out, is that uh, they can be traded at the store for cash equivalent. And I was like, that seems very odd considering on the card it specifically says that it can't. It can be spent as cash, but it can't be 
but like the wording of it was just very weird. And I was like, I need to find these stores that trade gift cards for cash. <laughs> so uh, the only thing I know for sure is that the top 64 uh, got PlayStations and boxes of product. Okay. It's going to be really interesting when they, if any of them are from the States, and they get back to the States and try and plug them in. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say they were going to complain because they spent all that money traveling over there, and now they're actually not getting the same money, one, to reimburse their trip. And also, you can't play European games on a U.S. PlayStation? Yes, you can. Oh, you can? You never used to be able no, to. No, PlayStations aren't region-locked. Okay. Unless European ones are very weird that way, but... They've never had any problems in the past. Also, in the top eight, there was a, there were a couple of Jund decks. Uh, there was a blue-white Delver. Chris's favorite deck of all time, by the way. One of the top eight matches was blue-white Delver versus red-black zombies. It felt like it was three months ago. <laughs> That's what happens when Pillar of Flame leaves the format. It was ridiculous. And the Delva deck was playing two cards that I've been talking about, Inaction Injunction and Swift Justice. I played both of those in that Spirits deck that I tried at uh, game day, and I was happy with both of them. But I guess they're just cheap, effective spells. One of them draws a card, and they flip Delva. Oh, there's a Bant deck. Those are tons of fun. If by tons of fun you mean incredibly boring. Wait, there's yeah. a Bant deck with... Okay, it has Thrag Tusk and one Staffing in. Yeah, that uh, that stuff, and then also showed up in Shuhei's deck at GP uh, Charleston. Apparently, that's something that Saito has been testing. And then again, he also had Fogbank in the sideboard. Right, but like, was no one playing slaughter games? I guess not. I mean, it seems like you go slaughter games, drag desk, and if their only win condition is a staff and then you got it, buddy. <laughs> I would just like to point out that Sirio Ferrelli made top eight, and then I yes. that forever ago. Is he someone? Fencing Ace. Oh, wait. Oh, okay, you mean the card. I thought there was actually... I was going through the top eight list. I was like, he's not... There's no guy named Matt there. What are you talking about? Yeah, the um, Fencing Ace was getting rancored up a lot, and in, in, this was in Charleston. Um, Which is just disgusting. There's a Crimson Muckwaiter in the top eight of one of the GP Botchum decks. Is this a thing? You guys seem to, have, you guys seem to have gone it's silent a, as though I'm some idiot. I'm trying to remember what it does. It's one of the ones that gets pumped by the alternate land type, right? Yeah, it's a, Is the, it the, uh, it's the one. Troll no, it's proxy? The, it's the red one. It's the 2 1 for 2 that it gets plus 1 plus 1 for a swamp and then 3 regenerated. I guess it's better than Gorehouse Chainwalker? Regenerate can be powerful against um, Thrag Tusk, especially with that three power. I mean, that's a, not a bad choice at all. All right, so you heard it here. If you're playing Swamps, which you can easily do with Blood Crips, and Crimson Muckwader, right? Crimson Muckwader over um, Gorehouse Chainwalker. Sounds good to me. I mean, depending on the, the what you expect to be there, it can block a Thrag Tusk all day long. Yeah, there is that, but I mean, you have to keep up three mana to do it. Well, the thing is, it'll block, it's got the three power. You know, if if you play the, the Chain Walker, and you play it with three power, then it can't block. And so that's the main thing. 
You know, I, I mean, if, even if you trade that for a Thrag Tusk, that's not that bad, you know. And if you happen to have the mana open to regenerate it, bonus, because then you don't lose your creature. Um, but, you know, with the with the Chain Walker, if it's got three power, you can't even block with it. This is very true. See, so, I'm just happy that for once it looks like Standard isn't found out yet. We haven't – We there's no legitimate best deck of the format yet. It keeps uh, changing. I see Chris was training to get uh, Milan Niznanski's deck. What? There's four precinct captain. Hey, Sam Black was rocking that today, too. Yeah, that was Jackie Lee, apparently, who built that deck. Uh, Sam Black showed up with Boros Humans and saw Jackie's deck and switched on the spot. So, That'd be a card to keep an eye on, considering uh, both well, Boros is coming in the next set. Cloud Shift. Main deck. What? Yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to screw this up, but uh, Svitoslav Ivanov is 13th place deck at GP. Bosham has two Cloud Shift. Doing what? What's he blinking with? Armada Worm? Nice. I guess. Uh, Geist Honored Monk, maybe? I guess you could blink your Restoration Angel. Though your Thalia does make it cost one more. Or you can blink the right Tusk. <laughs> but I just, I don't understand why uh, Cloud Shift. Because it's okay. only one instead of having to leave four mana up for a Restoration Animal. I guess it doesn't get countered by Essence Scatter, which is starting to see main deck play. <laughs> but I tell you what, uh, Mayor of Averbrook has started to go up in prices, seeing a, a quite a lot of play as well. I'm looking over the deck that won Charleston. That's just gross. There's so much hasty beats in that thing. Yeah, that that deck is pretty silly. Talking about the Aristocrat, Hellrider, and Thundermaw Hellkite. I'm thinking I, I just need a yeah. couple of Thundermaw Hellkites, and I could be running that deck. That's, that's like 80% of what's in my deck anyway. <laughs> Actually, there was one of the matches on because uh, he was on coverage, and his hand was uh, Thundermaw Hellkite and Aristocrat, or Thundermaw Hellkite and I think uh, Hellrider. And then he draw the, he drew the third one. And his opponent was at eight life, so he's like, okay, like land Thundermaw Hellkite attack you down to three. And his opponent's just like going on, going on, thinking he's like, okay, if I do this and answer it, or I could do this and answer it, or if I do this, I could find it, like I could dig deeper in my deck to answer it. And like the entire time, he's just like shuffling back the two cards, being like, nope, doesn't matter, bro, I got you dead. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, one game I saw with that deck that just scared the living daylights out of me. The Red Black Zombies deck was always at its most scary when it started off with all its two-power one-drops. He didn't play anything until turn three, which was a Jarrell's Messenger. And then he goes, turn four, uh, Hellrider. And then turn five, Hellkite. And the game was pretty much over. What are you going to do against that? Fog. Circle Protection Red. Well, in standard would be nice. <laughs> Might be time to bring back Ultimate Price. We didn't bring him back. Or start using it. Oh, yeah, it was played. Which I understand why. Like, you get rid of everything you want. I'm just looking at the decks, the top decks. It, it pretty much kills whatever you need killed. Help. Restoration Angel, Drag Tusk, everything in that deck other than Aristocrat. Uh, fencing Ace, Crater Hoof Behemoth. I mean, it, it may be the time to. 
Um, Maybe I'm there's a good blue-black flash deck or uh, snapcaster deck waiting to be built. I don't think that Crater of Behemoth is the best example of things you want to kill with ultimate price. I mean, don't get me wrong, it does get rid of Crater Hoof Behemoth, but, I mean... Once it hits the board, it's done its damage, yeah. you know? <laughs> but at that point, you may be able to survive the damage, maybe only on one life, but... Is putting it in their graveyard really the smartest place for it? It's better than taking it to the face. I don't know, Chris likes it to the face. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Ultimate Price is probably a good card to be playing right now. Oh, uh, okay. Cards it doesn't get rid of. Olivia. Huntmaster, Olivia, and, like, Falconrath Aristocrat. So, like, in that Jun color pie, you kind of don't want it. Sure, but what does get rid of Olivia that's spot removal? Um, but it also takes down Sublime Archangel and Silverblade Paladin. Those are starting to see some serious play. It also doesn't get rid of Loxodon Smiter, by the way. But so, uh, nothing gets rid of Olivia, because Victim of Night, it, it doesn't get Olivia. Searing Spear, if they know how to play, doesn't get Olivia. Human Frailty so, doesn't get Olivia. That's it. And in the next few weeks, we're going to see a blue-black control deck rise up. Snapcasting Ultimate Price Day and Night. I'm calling it. <laughs> and just, just give them the Snapcaster beats? Hey. <laughs> Might be the pike. Oh, Tragic Slip gets rid of Olivia. There, there's one card. <laughs> well, I was like, there's one card that gets rid of, like, every creature. What is it? I mean, you have to trigger Morbid, but, you know, you can just throw away your Snapcaster. Oh, you know, there's always Sever the Bloodline. And actually, Murder will get rid of Olivia. Yeah, but what across three See, again... Uh, Adina's advocating murdering people. Like, this is just... We need to do something about her. <laughs> we, we were getting her help. That's why she hasn't been on the show in the last couple times. Apparently she broke out of her maximum security facility. Went right back to the blood cult. Okay, this is getting to be slightly awkward. What? Um, it's Rakdos? Okay, whatever. Oh, I understood what you meant. Chris just doesn't care for our childish antics. He only likes I'm, his childish antics. He's very one-sided when it comes to childish, childish antics. But, his, but our antics are cheeky and fun. His are not. <laughs> One thing that really surprises me is that uh, before this weekend, everybody was saying aggro is dead because of Thrag Tusk. And now when we look at the at least GP Charleston top eight, there were aggro decks everywhere. Right, and but oddly enough, there weren't Thrag Tusks everywhere. Well, there were Thrag Tusks, but they weren't in top eight. This is, a lot of them didn't make it into top eight. They just missed. And I think what's happened is the aggro decks have learned to be fast enough to beat Thrag Tusk, or they've got things like Hellrider, which pretty much negate Thrag Tusk's life gain with one swing. Oh my god, Brian Kibler's deck has Bear Fighter in it. Yeah, I know, Brian Kibler's deck was hilarious. But I, I, don't, I don't really care. There was a deck with Judges Familiar in it. Uh, never mind that. There was a deck with Door to Nothingness in it. Yeah, Ali okay. deck was just <laughs> amazing. <laughs> the deck includes such highlights as Door to Nothingness, Rakdos' <laughs> Return, Sphinx's Revelation, Garrick Primal Hunter, <laughs> Nicol Bolas Planeswalker, 
Okay, where is this list? I've got to see this. Tamio, Vraska the Unseen, and Gristlebrand. Yep. You get the feeling he just sat down and said, I'm going to play all the best cards in the format. Also, I love how there's a Kessig Wolf run in the deck. Well, he does have chromatic lines in. (laughs) No, I, I get that. But there's only two. Like, it's not like he's running, like, four chromatic lines. Like, I'm going to shore up all my bases. There's only two. <laughs> no, but he probably has enough dual lands that he's fine. Like, this deck is hilarious. It, it is. It's Ali, It's an Ali Antrazi deck. What, what more do you want? No, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure he topped himself in this one. Not only that, it has three cavernous souls for six creatures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that either. <laughs> Well, you can bet those, uh, <laughs> those three also, creatures have to get encountered. <laughs> none, none of the six creatures, well, aside from the four Thrag Tusks, but you have four beasts, a demon, and an angel. It's not like all six of the same creature types. Yeah, but if you've got three cavernous souls, you can set one a beast, one an angel, one a demon. How many are there's four? You've <laughs> got Ollie and Trozzi's a madman. Is Like... The, like, I have to build this deck, I think. I think I'm missing a... Oh, no, I'm missing the Sphinx's Revelations. Yeah, I, got, I picked up my playset. Those things are going to be very, very good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, need, I need to build this. Just to, like, you know, have a starting hand that has, like, a Vault of the Archangel in it, a Cavern of Souls, a Nicol Bolas of Raska, and, like, Arakdos' Return and some other stuff. And be like, yeah, this is a snap keep. The, the deck is just, it's stupid. It really is. And I mean, Tamiyo is double blue and Sphinx's Revelation double blue. Uh, oh. Crumble oh. Hunter triple green. Right? <laughs> it's not even, it's not even the, the single green Garrett. I'm telling uh, you, man, Matic Leonard makes things easy. If he draws yeah. that, he doesn't care. But he's only running two. That's just how he locked the row. Hey, there's actually, there were two a Johnny Collar of the Pride in the top sixteen. This deck also yeah, features interesting choices like Azorius Arrester and Wandering Wolf. Which I guess makes sense with the Sublime Archangel. But Wandering Wolf? Yeah, the two one can't be blocked creatures with power less than Wandering Wolves can't block it. From Avison Restored. I mean if you slap a Rancor on it, it's good somebody's gonna have a hard time blocking it, I guess. Well yeah, but I'd if well, I would do that, um, Archangel. I mean, I would just prefer Champion of Lambholt. No, nope, well, yeah, right. cheaper. The, the Wolf's cheaper, only by one. And Champion of Lambholt makes your whole team unblockable. We're not saying he's right. We're just saying we understand. <laughs> I love Champion of Lambholt. It's such a beating. It's so good. I don't Ooh, know. Champion of Lambholt. We need Champion of Lambholt with Collective Blessing. Yeah, that could be all right. That could be good. Travis, I think I found uh, the basis for your deck. Okay. It's Which one? Top 16. It's by Kurt Spies. Kurt Spies, I think you'll find his name is, but go I'm ahead. I'm pretty sure it's a Spies. He's a Spies like us. Although it's not... It's in the... Uh, it's Esper. Esper. Shard. And you got a whole bunch of Planeswalkers in there. But you got some ultimate prices and some Snapcasters. So you can start off with this. Go. <laughs> uh, it also has Jazz Hands in the sideboard. Oh, okay. That's it. I'm building it. 
No, the deck that uh, it also has Faithbender in the deck. Yep, that's that's it. Done. Da da. All right, so he, so Faithbender has now top sixteen to GP, top eight to Star Cities. The deck that really surprised me that did well on day one, I think it completely fell off on day two, was the one that had four main deck Static Caster and main deck uh, Nightshade Peddler. Right. Hey, that's that's a very powerful combo, it's for, especially with all the creatures running around. And I think I think that was actually at the top tables on day two at Bochum, which, if you think about it, is kind of ridiculous. I mean, that's just how slow the format is right now. You can put a two-card, I'm going to kill all your creatures combo out and expect it to do well. I mean, it's it's a complete trump to Lingering Souls, even with Intangible Virtue out. Obviously, without Intangible Virtue, you don't need the Peddler. I was about to say, I was like, aren't they 1-1s? One don't they die anyways? But that's what I'm saying. Like, what what does that kill in standard with Peddler that it couldn't kill without? I mean, obviously it kills everything, but do you really... Wouldn't any pinger do that? Or are there just not any other pingers? Well, no. When you can go, like... A Nightshade Peddler is a two-drop, right? Or is it one? Yes. When you can go, like, turn two Nightshade Peddler and then, like, turn three, like, go into combat and then you're, like, flash this in and, like, kill your dude or block here or kill another dude. Boom. Yeah, because it does have flash and it does have haste. I guess... Uh, isn't the cast about having fun? Like, I'm the one who's supposed to be the Debbie Downer going, Guys, your ideas are just the worst. This is never going to work. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it just seems really weird to me, that's all. Well, yeah, it is weird. But, but, it's, but it's a good weird. Put, putting Death Touch on a pinger is a time-tested formula. It I'm surprised Ali Antrazi's deck doesn't have that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least in the sideboard, right? Yeah. No, no, then he'd need a fourth cavern. You'd have to name human for it. I'm sure he can manage a fourth cavern. I don't know, man. He's already, he'd have to, might have to cut the wolf run for that. But wolf run works so well with death touch. Oh, this is all so confusing. <laughs> um, on a so- interesting side fact, while the top five cards of Grand Prix Bottom had Hoof, there it is, uh, as number one. Yeah. Uh, Charleston does not have it. It has a Thunderbolt Hellkite, a Thalia, a Supreme Verdict, a Cavern of Souls, and a Garrick. Yeah, that's because no Crater Hoof decks made top eight. I don't remember seeing Cavern being played or Thalia. No, there was there was one there was one reanimator deck that made the top eight. Yeah, but he didn't get out of the top eight. That was the Morgan Chang one. He, He's the guy who put yeah. Brad out. Yeah, yeah, he didn't he didn't make top four, but he made top eight. He also had um, increasing confusion in his sideboard, which is pretty sweet. Heck yeah! He's like, I'm gonna mill you. Well, it's good against the reanimator decks that dump half their graveyard off their library in their graveyard, then you go, oh yeah, increasing confusion. Nice reanimation, brah. That's right. I, I don't understand. I don't know what you're talking about. My deck has never done that. This is a very interesting sideboard. The two evil twins. It's got a hoof. There it is. So the other thing I can see with evil twin is that you copy an angel of serenity, exile as much as you can, and then kill the angel of serenity. Is that what you do? Mm, I think you just want to exile the angel. 
Right, so wouldn't clone just be better in that spot? No, I guess it has, like, some, you know, good parts to do with it. Like, if your opponent has a Thrag Tusk and you copy the Thrag Tusk, then you can just kill all his Thrag Tusks. Yeah, this is true. Also, but I mean, the other thing about Evil Twin, though, is that you don't... Uh, if, if he's got... A, so he's got an Angel of Serenity. Say he took a couple of your creatures and put them under there, you're going to get those back when you kill the Angel of Serenity, and you don't have to do it by putting the Angel of Serenity under your Angel of Serenity, and then if he kills yours, he gets his back, and then he can repeat the process. It's just gone. That's true. That That's a good point. Sometimes you don't want to... Uh, exile the angel because then he'll get it back easier yep uh, evil twin one thing about evil twin as well it has the same name as itself so if you do copy angel of serenity oh no it taps to do it doesn't it yep I was going to say you can kill itself in response uh, you can also copy a thundermore hellkite tap down all their flyers kill their thundermore hellkite and still have yours on the board that's pretty sweet I'll go with yes well, it works. Thundermore Hellkite has haste. I mean, you need six mana to do it, but... I think these I think these two Grand Prix were very counterindicative of what we've been whining about on the past... Uh, Charleston more so than Barkham. I think Barkham's metagame was more what we expect. I mean, we knew here at Horde of Notions that Brad's deck was going to be awesome. But if you look at the rest of the top eight, you know, there was a lot of Thrag Tusk, and the Jun decks and the Bant decks. There wasn't really a great deal of aggro. The rest of the top 16 was a bit more diverse, but Charleston, like, who saw that coming? I mean, it looks like the people that uh, did really well at, in Charleston were the ones that expected exactly that metagame and built decks to beat it. I don't even know. Like, we, a lot of people have been complaining that you can't beat Thrag Task, but apparently you can. Clearly. And, of course, people are on Twitter complaining now that, oh, well, this is terrible. Control decks don't have a chance. Now aggro's back, and with Supreme Verdict and Caverns and Smiters, you can't play Control anymore. Boo-hoo. Well, personally, the, like, the problem that I had, right, was not like, you know, you can't beat the Thrag Tusk. It's just that, you know, when you have a Thrag Tusk mirror, it's just like, oh, good. This goes on forever. Yes. Right, so like, there's much less interaction when it's like, oh, I'll play how is that worse than yeah, the I mean, control was... matches that go on forever, where it's I cast Sphinx's Revelation, okay, in response I cast Sphinx's Revelation. I mean, how well, is that worse than the better than the Thrag Tusk matches? Because honestly, like Thrag Tusk matchups are the only time is like the first time in forever I actually went to time and standard. Like even yeah, when there was like the Cobblade mirrors running around, right? Like I never went to time, and these are just kind of like people like I don't know. It seems like these. People that are playing Thrag Tusk aren't used to playing quicker matchups or making more decisions, and they're just, like, taking forever to make decisions. And it's like, play faster, please. I don't want to be low. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's well, it. I mean, I was, watching the Star City Games. I was watching the Star City Games coverage today, and or yesterday, rather, and a lot of the matches, I mean, they would go to time on game one, and it was this, you know, Bant versus Reanimator kind of matchup, and they weren't playing slow, and they weren't thinking a lot about what to do. It was just, you know, okay, I knock off five of your life. Okay, you gain five life back. You know, they'd be sitting, both of them would be sitting at, like, 30 life, and nobody can do anything to the other one, and they're just, you know, digging and drawing cards and, you know, playing Thrag Tusks and gaining life, and nobody could get through. 
you know, one person would wipe the board and then start to get ahead, but then the other person would, you know, activate their um, vault of the archangel and gain a bunch of life, and so it wouldn't matter. You know, it was just a lot of life game. That's a perfect example of why Star City is a terrible indicator of the metagame. Because you had two GPs where that just wasn't the case. Sure. So, obviously, all the people that play Star City Opens can do is net deck. Whereas, people who actually know what they're doing are building around the metagame and finding ways around the Thrag Tusk dilemma. Uh, You were talking about Sphinx's Revelation, Travis, but the problem is that most of the decks playing Sphinx's Revelation are also playing Thrag Tusk. So, but I'm saying if Thrag Tusk wasn't here, we're still going to have the same type of matchup that people complain about, where one deck does something, the other deck does something that, that pretty much the same thing and gains life and takes forever. I mean, we always have that in the format with, with these control decks, and they they're now complaining just because creature decks can do it too, and it's just no, go cry on your is, pillow somewhere else. Calm down. Thragtusk isn't being played in creature decks. That's not the problem. The creature decks that play Thragtusk, like Jund and the green-white decks, aren't the ones that are taking forever. It's the control decks playing Thragtusk that are driving people nuts. It's not a question of, all oh, creatures can do it too, and that's terrible. Thragtusk is the biggest problem with Standard right now. It's not Sphinx's Revelation. You can't blink a Sphinx's Revelation, and not many people are flashing it back with Snapcaster either. Thragtusk is a, is a problem in standard. It's just not obviously not as much of a problem as we thought it was. I mean, I love the card. Me too. I don't but see it's it. boring as hell. I think the only bad thing about Thragtusk is it should have cost two green. Yeah, I can see that. GG3 would have made it, and may, maybe even make it a 5-4, but then Red Mages would complain they could never get rid of it. So, What do you think, Well, Actually, what's funny is that I have like the, a list of the banned control decks uh, with the four Thragtusk on my desk. And I was just like, oh, I want to, like, throw something together for F&M. That would be fun to play. So I pulled out my three Niv-Mizzets, and I was like, I'm going to build a deck with this. And what's funny is that, well, I haven't actually played my Izzet deck against any other decks. Uh, it doesn't lose to bank control, which I find kind of odd. Uh, why is that, do you think? It has four Temporal Masteries. Okay. And nope. there's... <laughs> There's never any counter spells uh, around. I don't know. Like the, I think the the bank control deck is kind of made out to be the boogeyman in the room, and I get the feeling that you know when you have a standard environment at first, well, I like at first you always have like states or or provincials in our case, and people just kind of throw together whatever they want. But then after that comes out, they see decks and they want to kind of just play the safest deck which is what I think the bank control decks were. I think the bank control decks were the safest decks to be playing because you had Thrag Tusks, and you had, you know, some counter magic, and you had basically stuff that, like, prolonged the game forever and ever. But, you know, people were like, well, this is actually awful, and hey, there's other cards in Standard that we could play. So they've, like, that's kind of the evolution of the metagame. Yeah, I think Hellrider has been, played a big part in this. Because, uh, sorry. I, I, I mean, I, I think that card might have, maybe, just a little bit, but it's probably a very insignificant uh, part. But See, I actually, thought you were just getting yelled at him for mispronouncing the name. No, what card actually has been playing a pretty big impact, or at least been, you know, shaking things up a little bit. 
What's that, Will? That's Hellrider. <laughs> I see. I, I think Thundermall Hell Kite was better than that one. Uh, Travis, I, I, I've got to ask, why don't you play High Tide in Legacy? Because I don't play Legacy. But if you did, you'd have to play High Tide, right? No, I'd probably play uh, Cobalts. That was the last Legacy deck I played. Because <laughs> it's hella fun. But, it's insanely but, fun. But, but Roll Tide. You can't Roll Tide with a blue deck. Don't even talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would also like to point out that I spent Saturday evening thinking about Will. I don't even talk about that. <laughs> I don't know how the number one team in the entire country of the United States of America, the number one college football team, gets blown out by Bears. By <laughs> like, Well, wait, by Bears? Well, then that makes sense. Exactly. No, but like, we're we're sidetracking. But that's just ridiculous. <laughs> hey, no, I, I know. I actually wanted the crowd a little bit for Smizzy when Oregon went down. Smitty. Hey, now, egg ball sport is not fun, entertaining, or geeky. Remember the email. That was our weekly what, aside. What uh, what what is the what is the key to standard? Let's say you have a the standard PTQ. Room. Yeah. So let's say you have a standard GP tomorrow. Yes. What deck are you taking? Me? Yes. Right now, well, I would take my Triple Fog deck. Okay. Because I, uh, no, I think one of the big things in standard right now is playing a deck you know. It's sort of like the way it is in modern. Anything is good enough to win, given the uh, the breakdown of the meta. Any of the major decks can win. So play what you know and what you're good with. And then just hope you get the matches you know. Know them inside and out. I think that's the best way to to do well at GP right now. Good point. Okay. I, mean, could, I mean, if you take bank control, you could be playing against aggro all day or run into the, the mid-ranges that are going to kick you in the teeth. Or if you take the mid-ranges, you could run into turbo fog. Or if you take the aggro, you could run into the four detention sphere, four supreme verdict. So it's going to come down to what you're good with and what you expect the matchups to be. Uh, okay. Well, what would you take, Will? Grand Manor. Like, not close. Most of it is what Travis said, but if this is the evolution of the new metagame, where the top eight at Charleston has one Tamiyo and zero Jaces, like, bring it on, baby. Bring it on. Would you take Hoof There It Is version, though, or would you take the old four-color one? See, I don't like playing, like, little dirtly creatures and whatnot. I, I like my four-color one. I know someone had mentioned... You know, before, they're like, oh, you should be playing, like, a Crater Hoof Behemoth in my sideboard. But one of the things from the original deck that I took out was Lingering Souls. Because I just, I didn't like it. Like, I'd rather stuff that digs more or has more utility. So even with nobody really playing Bonfire, you still don't like the Mana Dork plan? No, because you need a Crater Hoof, right? The the thing about the, the Hoof there it is, is if they, uh, if you get an opponent who's expecting it, and they bring in slaughter games. You're, if they hit Crater Hoop Behemoth, that takes out one of the major ways your decks wins. You're pretty much going down to winning with Dorks and Gavany Township. Right. I mean, admittedly, like there's yeah, there's Gavany Township in it, but it's just like as the element of surprise, certainly. But for an opponent that's expecting it, as Travis said, it it certainly loses some value. Although I did like Brad's sideboard plan. Of being less of a reanimator deck and more of just a straight green white beatdown afterwards. 
Yeah, and I mean, he um, he has Angel of Serenity on the board to help with that plan. So that might uh, that might be part of it as well. On a fun side note, though, the only deck in the top 16 to have slaughter games is... Ellie Entrezzi? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why does this not surprise me? I think it does go back to something Brad said when he was here with us last week, Chris, that it's very hard to go under this format. You're not going to be able to take those first three turns and win. Um, you're going to have to go over the top of Thragtus. You're going to have to find some way that either overpowers it, out-tempos it, or... It. Right. Yeah, and I think he showed that. Like he He's winning on turn four. He did win on turn four against Sam Black, and it was hilarious. Right, and then the uh, the red-black deck that won does the same thing with the haste creatures and the, the way the Hellrider can give you the uh, the additional damage to offset the life gain or the way Thundermall Hellkite can uh, reset it with one hit. Um, this is a very yeah. fun format. It's, it's definitely wide open. Awesome. I would take Hoof, there it is. I would not Just because I, I love that. it. Don't lie. I think, you I, I, take Alliantrazi's Door to Nothing, this deck. Mm, no, it doesn't have Ghosty McJazz hands in it. Well, well there's you. Pretty, it's, how you pretty sure. it's how you update it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I you, might. What could you cut? Yeah, cut one Centaur Healer and put like a Ghosty McJazz hands because that gains you life as well. I might put. Um, uh, I might play Rug Deadeye. Thinking about it. Also, Ghosty McJazz and Speed Strike Tusk. Could you do like a um, blue, white, red? Did I? Why would you want to leave out the Huntmaster and the Fast Seeks? So that you can use Supreme Verdict to, to stay alive long enough to combo out. Well, aren't you going to be com- staying alive long enough to combo out with you know your Thrag Tusks and your uh, Huntmasters anyway? Maybe. You can run Bonfire. Well, Bonfire is good because of your X damage, which you're going to use to win the game. And you can run Mizia Mortis as well. Blinking Zealous Conscripts is fun anyway. Blinking Thundermore seems hilarious. Maybe in the board. I don't know. I've always liked that deck. When we brewed it up uh, originally, I loved it. And the excuse to play it again is uh, strong. Yeah, it's, just, so. it's not a fun deck to play online is my main problem with it. I don't get it this is very true. That is very, very true. It's not fun to play online. Too much clicking. Then taking the time to actually find your infinite win condition can kill you. Unless you win game one and make game one take 47 minutes. All right. Anything else? You didn't even ask me what I'd be taking. Because I guess oh, every, I? everybody knows what I'd be taking. It's not really a big surprise. <laughs> I, 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 I thought I did. Actually. Oh, Chris figured you were still depressed after that Eagles game. Yeah, that's what I figured. They lost to the Vultures or something. I just—I uh, don't even want to talk about it. Washington, <laughs> just, wa- Washington, but close, Chris. The last, the last month. I mean, Dallas, Washington. Uh, just yeah, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> now, what will you be taking to F and M? I assume it's not going to be green because you want to distance yourself from the Eagles. Well, you know what my favorite card is because you say it best. 
Uh, I don't say guys to sing trap best. I think that's I Travis. Play blue. When have I ever Voice played blue? Saint Trap. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds kind of like think, a vampire. I think she might be talking about Hellrider. <laughs> I think I might. That's yeah, I've been, I've been wanting. I've been wanting to stick that into my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my black red okay. deck. All right, Adina. Next time, don't pause for I- emphasis at that point. <laughs> so now we know why I didn't ask Adina what she was going to take to I'm going to put it into my Rakdos deck. <laughs> With zombies and vampires and other good things. Well, then. So let's, uh, let's move on and change gears here a little bit. Apparently, you strange people in the United States are about to celebrate Thanksgiving, which, as Will will rightly tell you, is the second Monday in October. Yeah, you guys are celebrating Thanksgiving. You guys are celebrating fake Thanksgiving, but go on. Well, the majority of our listeners also celebrate fake Thanksgiving, so you know we have to tolerate that and put take use out of our words and pretend the holidays exist. So. Travis had the bright idea of us all telling of us telling all of you what we're thankful for in magic. So let's start with the Americans. Travis, what are you thankful for? I am thankful for Thrag Tusk. <laughs> it's about damn time that the best card in the format is green. Yeah, because Primeval Titan was never the best card in a format. No, he was always like second or third best. Or, or he Noble was always being put in a corner there. And Genesis stand- Wave, Lotus Cobra, Knight of the Reliquary. Yeah, but those were all behind, like, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Stoneforge Mystic, Snapmaster Mage and Delver, Rancor. They're not even a green mage. I don't know what you're complaining about, though. To me? Yeah, you. I I like Balance. And I'm just, I've just been That's sick. A white card. All the blue cards. <laughs> just gonna say that. I do like. It's an awesome card. It's very fun to destroy people with that card. I've just the last three or four times standard has, uh, year standard has been about who can build the best blue white deck, and it's good that we have a creature that lets us go beyond that this year. Cavern of Souls plus Thrag Tusk means blue white isn't going to be the most dominant. Uh, until, ga- until Gatecrash comes out. But we'll yeah, get to that when we discuss what I'm thankful for. Then it's probably going to be blue-black. The thing that worries me, though, is not that. It's that the blue-white decks are just playing Thrag Tusk. So, it, like, Bank Control is still one of the best decks in the format. I can't be if it keeps losing to my Is It deck. Just saying. Okay, whatever. What does your Is It deck lose to? Oh, you don't know. Uh, you haven't played the game. Probably everything know. else. Well, there you go. All right, well, what do you... No, let's do Adina. Adina, what are you thankful for? Rakdos. I'm thankful for my little Rakdos pin that I got at uh, GP Philadelphia, because that's really cool. I'm thankful for Hellrider. I'm thankful for vampires and zombies and uh, Falconrath Aristocrat, which, of course, is a vampire. And, uh, yeah, and Desecration Demon. And, sure, Actually, yeah. Speaking of GP Philadelphia, did you get a playmat from there? I did. 
someone played was playing against me at the PTQ and had that playmat, and I was like, that is the most intimidating slash ridiculous playmat I've ever seen. Was theirs also signed by the artist? Uh, no. But he was uh, there. He was there signing. I mine signed, so. But yeah. uh, cobs of corn and pigs and machetes <laughs> and other things are rather intimidating. A three-headed chicken with lightning coming out of its mouth. Oh, which actually had the it was a it was the Jacko lantern chicken. Of course it was. All right, well let's play along. What are you thankful for? All right, uh, well actually speaking of PTQ, I'm thankful for the guy that told me that uh, Drude's Deliverance, his nickname is Fogulate, because I was like, I that seems so very obvious, yet somehow I'd never heard that before. So I had neither you told me that. So thank you to that guy, but I'm thankful to Wiz- that Wizards continues to print absolutely ridiculous blue cards that can never be cast because they just have effects that, like, when people are like, what would be the greatest effect you could come up with? And it's written on the card. In this case, I'm referring to the card that is in Gatecrash. Oh, no, 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 That is known as Enter the Infinite. I'm not going to spoil what it is because there's some people that don't like it. No, no, we don't even know if it's real yet. It's a foil card. And also, you, I, if it's not real, Wizards, whoever's listening to this that, like, works there, like, has some connections, make this card. Well, apart from the fact that they're not allowed to listen to card ideas from the public. They're allowed to listen. They, they can find a way around. This card yeah. needs to be made. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, or Amazing. Anyway, moving on along. Also, the uh, the really good in those blue chroma decks. Also, the uh, that uh, the, there's this red dragon that was also spoiled that has probably the most ridiculous you win the game condition of all time. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. You know what? You know what they need to print? Actually, they need to reprint something like Felidar Sovereign. That way these life game ridiculous decks will have a win condition that they can play and then the game will be over and it won't take, you know, the entire 50 minutes just to get a draw. They already, have one. They already have one. It's called Chalice of Life. I thought you were going to say Battlewoods because that's obviously the better one. Regardless, though, Christopher Lansdale, what are you yes. thankful for? And you, aside from the fact that you're now known as uh, the Lansdurtle, I am thankful for magic in general. Lame. Come right. on, something better. Yeah, we were all making sure that none of us said that so that we didn't come off like a tool. <laughs> well, what can I say? I am a tool, a giant tool. No, I just, I, I, I can't, I layer it down to one thing I'm thankful for. I guess the, the openness of every format right now. There is not a single format where I feel that is th- there is one deck that's just oppressive and is stopping you from playing any other deck. And that's the best time to be playing Magic. Especially you if can, you like to brew like we do. Right? This is, this is just an awesome time. We just saw two standard GPs with something like 12 different archetypes in the top 16 of each of them. Between the two of them, I mean. We, we've seen modern GPs with new innovations every single time out. We've got another one coming up in a few weeks, and I can pretty much guarantee you that you won't be seeing Lingering Jund or Burning Junk, as me and Travis called it last time, taking it down again. We're going to see a changing of the guard in modern, and we're still seeing it in standard, and it's awesome. Here, here. All right, 
enough gushing. So let's move on to the random moment of geekery. Adina, go! Have you guys seen the trailer yet for the movie Warm Bodies? Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, I'm talking about nothing but vampires, death, murder, and warm bodies. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, it's a murder. You thing. have seen it? You haven't seen it? Okay. No, no. The to stop. Okay, this is a zombie movie that's coming out in February. Right. And, and the trailer... Print... One murder, though. <laughs> right, but I'm saying, this trailer is awesome. You have to do this trailer. So that's going to be... Um, in the show notes, that's my moment of geekery. Um, warm bodies, check it out. It's hilarious. It's a zombie movie, but it's a zombie love story. So it's told from the point of view of the zombie who kind of is, you know, mentally not quite there. He starts out as a regular zombie and he can't remember anything. Um, but then he meets a girl and falls in love and it starts to transform him. So, uh, yeah, it just, it looks like it's going to be, a different take on your typical zombie movie. So I'm excited to see it. Did you? Well, okay. Hey, if it's a zombie movie, I'll watch it. So. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Zombie love story? Yeah. Hey, for Shaun of the Dead. I have still not seen that movie. You have not I... seen Shaun of the Dead? No. What? Did you just say you've never seen Shaun of the Dead? Correct. Will, uh, oh, he's closer to you. You're, you need to go correct this. Seriously, Chris, get on this. Like, what, they don't have, like, video stores in Newfoundland? They don't have internets there to, like, download stuff? Get on this. Jeez. Extra balls, if you're listening to this, or Mark, or Twinges. I Twinges, yeah, go get this guy, Shaun of the Dead, and make him watch it. Yeah. You just made that day, I hope you know. It's like, what are the... Twinge him into, in, twinge him into watching it. It's probably the, the one of the better movies I've watched in the last 15 years. So, Travis, yeah. since you're talking a lot, give us your moment of geekery, sir. Well, my random moment of geekery is, without a doubt, the greatest feat of taxidermy ever. Yeah, you've never, Someone, you've never seen that before? No, I'd never seen that before. I saw it like a couple months back, and I was like, ah, oh, Travis, surely Travis saw this. It is a picture with the, uh, the note that says, when taxidermy goes horribly wrong. No, this is when taxidermy goes horribly right. It is a... Rattlesnake with a squirrel on top of it who has lassoed the fangs and is riding this thing off into the sunset. Okay. <laughs> wow, that's terrible. I'm going to make okay. a squirrel deck that uses Lotus Cobra, and this is why. <laughs> <laughs> and they, I think your squirrel token should be pictures of that. That would be fine. I think I'm going to proxy some of that's pretty we still, awesome. need someone, we still need someone to do the Horde of Notions tokens. Uh, for those of you wondering, Travis is a 1-1 one, one squirrel. I already have some. They're bear tokens. Will is a 2-2 two, two bear. Uh, you mean like a 17-13 bear? No, I don't. I mean a 2-2 two, two bear. Adina is a 2-2 two, two vampire Will. flying. Also, you don't need to have power toughness. You just have my bear on there, and the bear can substitute for anything. Like, I make a spirit use the bear. No, you can't do that, because otherwise they won't be legal to use on camera. We want them to be usable on camera. I still think I should be a 3-3 beast. Uh, no, Travis and I have already determined that human. you are a 3-5 spirit. That works, too. 
<laughs> but there are no three five spirit. Uh, yes, folks. there are. When you have ghost and jazz hands, and you make a copy of it with cackling counterparts, <laughs> then there are three or, five spirits. Or seance. Or seance, which also nowhere to be seen. People stop playing seance or stop saying it's good. Uh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> well, what's your moment of geekery? All right. Uh, there's a couple. First off, there's this picture where uh, I think in the past in the show we've talked about the Superman sighting of it's a bird, it's a plane, it's, well, there's a comic that I put up that goes quite with it, and I'm not quite sure how to describe this, so I'll let the listeners look at the picture when it's up. That's great. Yes. <laughs> the second one is since Chris... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Since Chris and I uh, had our discussion about Star Wars uh, and how, you know, what we thought it should be or whatnot, there's this video that I found randomly on uh, Cracked.com, which is titled A Sneak Peek at Disney's Upcoming Star Wars Movies, and it's about what you think it'd be. I think they go on to, like, Star Wars Episode 42. There's something about a ta- Luke driving a taxi cab in there somewhere, and it's, it's quite humorous. You've already lost me. <laughs> uh, after that, there was I saw a picture of uh, Silvio Farrell, uh, and Travis mentioned it before. And uh, Game of Thrones or HBO was nice enough to release the teaser trailer for when, or the teaser poster for when Game of Thrones is coming back. And I was like, hmm, that is way too long, but I'm interested to see that. And I believe that's it, because I actually have, like, two or three more, but I'm going to save them so that next week I'm not like, uh, guys, I don't have anything. <laughs> Good plan. You know, off, the, off your first picture, someone pointed out to me today, you know, in the old Superman intro when they go, look up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. Why are these people so excited that there's a bird and there's a plane in the sky? Because maybe <laughs> they're like, <laughs> I had a grandmother that used to live near an airport, and like as a like four- and five-year-old, every time the plane would go by, I'd be like, look, it's a plane. So I'd be excited over that. Admittedly, I was four but, or five, I wasn't a grown adult, but... Don't lie, Will, you were 24 and 25. Uh, the technicalities of that we won't get into, but no. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Um, my moment of geekery, I don't know, earlier I was playing at, uh, The Will and being grumpy about people playing weird cards. Now I'm going to play Adina and talk about TV shows. Okay. I'll be, because, I'll be, I'll be The Will, because you're probably going to come up with awful TV shows. Yeah, you're you're going to Shaun of the Dead. Your, your taste in, in like film and cinema is suspect at this point. Well, there's three new shows this season that I can't stop watching. Okay. And I'm, I'm really enjoying them. Uh, Revolution. Oh, yeah, that actually looks interesting uh, next week, but the only reason why is because they're playing Led Zeppelin music, so I just figured I'd bust out my Led Zeppelin vinyl and listen to that instead. No, like, no, but the whole show, it, the whole show is really good. Really like good. all of it, the whole season on DVR is having time to watch it. Uh, it's really good, man, and apart from the fact that the women are fairly attractive, it's a really good show. Uh, Arrow, I've been watching a lot of as well. Yes. And, uh, Evo- uh not Evolution, um... Elementary. Meh. Not with it there. 
all of those shows are on my DVR, and I've been I've been catching up on what I missed when I was away, and and also I I kind of had the flu this week, so I was really sick. So I've been watching all those shows too. So I can I thumbs up to all of them. Elementary is really good. I love the the Sherlock character and. The way that the actor is playing it reminds me of the way Heath Ledger played the Joker. Not as good, but the, the, the mannerisms are the same, where he's introduced a couple of nervous tics that really add depth to the character for me. Lucy Liu, I could take or leave. I think they could have made that character a bit different, but um, I, I'm really I'm enjoying the show. I'm pretty part. sure the main part of that character is the fact that it's played by Lucy Liu. I don't really, I don't really think any thought past that went into that character. Yeah, but I just I just don't think she's that good. So, see, this was one of the things that turned me off. I'm afraid they're just going to try to shoehorn a romantic plot in there between Watson and Sherlock. No spoilers. Well, it's better than so, the uh, it's better than the plot that you're trying to shoehorn into this show, the romantic plot between you and Lansdale. So, hey, I'm a married man. I've rebuffed his advances. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, no, you didn't. Um, you were the one making the advantages. Advances. Shut up. <laughs> I don't no, believe I've been, I've been too making much. a card advantage. That's what he was making at you. That's a good name for a podcast. I've been really enjoying all those shows, and uh, I also finished watching Torchwood. Actually, I'm up to Miracle Day. I'm halfway through Miracle Day of Torchwood, and that series is really weird and totally Americanized, and therefore much worse. Oh, you mean Miracle Day, not the original? Because I was going to say Torchwood was not an American series. No, but Torchwood Miracle Day was made specifically for stars, yes. and it's got American people in it, yes. and it's nowhere near as good as the first three seasons. Are the first three seasons good? Yes. Better than good. Who? No. Darker than Who. Hmm. I just finished season six of Doctor Who, so I might move on to Torchwood before watching season seven. I recommend it. All right, let's move on to shout-outs. Adina, shout-outs. Okay, it's been a while since I've uh, been on the cast, so I have a bunch of shout-outs today. Uh, first of all, I want to send a shout-out to uh, MuseCox in Montana, um, Zach, Gene, Keith, all the people that we met up there. Everybody was super awesome. Um, and also shout-outs to GameGrid in Utah for having such awesome prize support and tons of great events. Um, shout out to Michael Anderson, who was my first opponent in my first round at FNM. And I sat down and, and I told him my name and he said, are you the famous Adina from Wyoming? Because he listens to our cast. So Michael, thank you so much for listening to our cast and shout out to you. Um, shout out to John and all the other cool people that I met there and played with. And um, huge, huge shout out to Jeremy Behunen who um, took the time to sit down with me, another level one judge, and he had this box of cards, one of which, of course, was Trinisphere and, you know, all these complicated interactions. And so he, like, put things down and was asking us questions and quizzing us and, you know, helping us to uh, figure things out and, and, you know, test us as judges. And uh, he gave me a lot of really great advice and just fabulous person and worked really, really hard. He was the head judge at that event. So um, huge shout-out to him. And, of course, as always, shout-out to Martinet for hosting our um, podcast. Shout-out to Nick Schumer from Martinet, who just recently got married, uh, got married and muscle saw to you and your wife. And um, thank you so much for hosting our podcast uh, website. And also shout-out to Kitty for the image that's on our website. Awesome. Thank you. Well, shout-outs. All right. Uh, an anti-shout-out to Travis. 
and everything that has to do with Travis, especially your <laughs> stupid Tide, they lost. <laughs> They're supposed to be gone. Dude, they're like a vampire. Unless you put a stake in Saban's heart, they're coming back. Oh, my God. On the plus side, though, a shout-out to Notre Dame, who was the, is the unanimous top-one team in uh, college football, which is cool. And uh, I don't really know how to put this. as I don't want to say it's an anti-shout-out, because it's not, and it's not a shout-out. But apparently I'm the only person that thinks Skyfall is a bad movie. Like, I'm not going to get into spoilers or anything. It's just... I didn't like it. It doesn't work. So, you know, you pe- you people need to get checked that are in love with this movie. Okay. <laughs> well, well, no, I it's just like that. everyone was like, oh, this is like the greatest movie ever. And then I was like, no, not only is it not a great movie, it's not a good movie. But regardless, although an anti-shout-out to Javier Bardem. Buddy, come on. You and I both know you're better than this. After that, uh, there was a PTQ the past weekend that I went down to, which is why I couldn't be on that last week's cast, uh, that was run by Quarterstaff Games. Uh, a shout-out to those guys. Like, the PTQ, I mean, I didn't actually, they weren't selling anything. They had some other vendor was there. But just uh, the judge that was there, the level two judge, was from uh, the shop. The event that they ran was extremely smooth, extremely uh, tight and well done. And, like, we started... At uh, 10 o'clock, every, uh, well, a bit later, but, like, everyone got their sealed pools and whatnot, and it was 7.30, and eight rounds were done. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, at 7.30, they were handing out prizes and getting all the people ready for top eight, which is, like, insanely smooth. And what's interesting is that uh, they kind of took uh, had a delay before the round starts because they wanted to make sure that everyone had an opponent for the round. So, like, they didn't they didn't delay the round, but, like, Everyone sat down, you know, they're like, do you have an opponent? And if someone didn't, they're like, okay, we're just going to take a minute or two to find this person so that no one got any uh, penalties for showing up late. Now, I, I don't know if, like, that's kind of the way it's, they're, they're not allowed doing that or it's supposed to start the round at a certain time. I assume it's up to the discretion of the head judge. But, like, that's how it ran, and it was a really uh, smooth event. So that was really cool and really nice to go down to, especially since there was travel time between. And I went down with uh, Frankie Richards, Eric Goudreau, and KYT, who abandoned us. But So a shout-out to those guys. A shout-out to John Stern, who made uh, Top 8. And a shout-out to uh, my other buddy, who... Oh, uh, Kevin Onktil, who also made Top 8. Uh, they didn't win, unfortunately, but a shout-out to those guys. Uh, we did get lost going to the Applebee's, but we ended up at Buffalo Wild Wings. And a shout-out to that place, because that place is fantastic. Like, I don't know, Travis and Adina, if you've ever been? Nope. Nope. But that is, like, we just kind of, like, showed up and we're like, well, I guess we can eat here. And it was absolutely fantastic, uh, the entire meal there. Uh, a shout-out to uh, Face-to-Face Games, uh, who will be at uh, GP Toronto. So if you're going there, you can stop by the booth. And not only that, but on day two... Uh, Face Faith Games is sponsoring the Mad-Deprived Super Series, which is going to be uh, events that they're running throughout Canada, which are cash events. And on day two of uh, the GP, they're going to be running uh, they're going to be running a Mad-Deprived Super Series event. So if you know you're like me and you probably won't make day two, uh, go check it out because it's going to be a, it's going to be a pretty huge deal. You know, it's it's yeah. definitely really cool that 
they were able to get uh, the big event on day two. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Do you remember the name of the uh, head judge uh, in Burlington? I, I'd have to talk to Michael McClement because he was there as well. Uh, but even he was, uh, who uh, he's a level two judge who's had a decent amount of experience. Even he was really impressed with the way the tournament run was run, and he said he'd never seen it uh, run that way. So I can, uh, I'll get you a name for him, and uh, on the next cast when I get the name, I'll give him a shout out because uh, it was like, it, honestly, for all the times I've ever been to tournaments, like that was pretty much as smooth as it can be, and especially that it was a sealed uh, event. It like seems to just go by really quick. Awesome, Travis. Any shout outs? I've got a few. First shout out to Scotty Mack. Apparently, he conquered his quest to get three buys for GP Toronto tonight. Shout out time. to uh, what? It's about time. Hey, he's been really consistent. He's been getting down, but I mean, he's what? This is the third one. He's made the top eight. What? Does and he, he finally won one. I think he's, he's on Jund. Yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, Billy and Jake and Kirk from my local store and Kirk's Circus Deck. Uh, shout out to Rickety Old Shack on Twitter. Wrong. What? Kirk, isn't it? Kirk Dubay? Yeah. Isn't that how you're supposed to say his name? Well, what did I say? Well, you didn't say the Dubay. Oh. Dubay. Dube Snacks on Twitter. Uh, Rickety Old Shack, he keeps me very thoroughly entertained on uh, Twitter. Uh, shout out to Jason Clark and shout out to uh, Jack and Chewy. I'm sure they had a lot of fun in GP Charleston this weekend. They did, and I'm going to be shouting out to them as well in a minute. And that's about it for me. All right, so for me, shout out to Jack and Chewy. <laughs> uh, not only were they gunslinging at uh, GP Charleston and representing MTG Cast, but they were both playing my decks in standard. Uh, for anybody who wanted to gunsling standard, they were playing Lansdale decks. So they were so losing thoroughly, right? Actually, no. They uh, managed to keep most of the box that they had. So I'm pretty proud of that. And I mean, I wouldn't have cared if they'd lost every game. The fact that they were getting my deck some exposure is just pretty awesome. Well, in that case, does that mean they play your deck better than you do? Hey, Travis, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> uh, well, I want to give a shout out. Top eight, right? So a G- a PTQ top eight, PTQ. yeah, yeah. That's one more than I've got. Want to give a huge shout out to local player Wu Shuang who won our PTQ. We had a 101 player PTQ yesterday and he took it down. There was a pretty good top eight. A lot of the best players in town were in it. He's going to be going to the PT and he's probably one of the best players I've ever seen up close. Uh, he doesn't play a lot right now. So what are you talking about? You've been to GPs where like there's pros. Yeah, okay, one of the best non-pros I've seen. He's definitely one of the best local players. Also, if I get this straight, the person that won the Newfoundland PTQ, his name is Wu Shuang. Correct. Okay. Is ben Cl- has Ben Clinton been made aware of this fact? No. Okay. Because once he is, you may hear from him. Why? He's a local player. Right. But Ben Clinton is a troll of all things Newfoundland, if you do not remember. Uh, ben Clinton's just a troll, period, yeah. and I don't really care what he has to say. But yeah, it was a 101-person event, biggest event we've ever had in the province for Magic, so that was that was awesome, and bodes well for us getting another one in the future. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Derek. Uh, Der- I've forgotten his Twitter handle, but he's been showing a lot of interest in pretty much every deck idea I post about. 
so shout out to you, buddy. Hope you had some success. I had a couple of people tweeting at me that they played my uh, green-black mid-range deck and won with it, which uh, is great to hear. So shout out to everybody who had the faith in me to do that. Big shout out to Brad Nelson. Great having you on the show, as always, and uh, really sick run at the GP. Sad you couldn't get there. I was yelling at your deck uh, to give you the crater hoof in the game three. He had, what, three turns to draw one? Something like that. And he couldn't find it, and it was just really depressing because he really he works so hard on that deck. And, I mean, it's capable of winning a GP. We know this. Yeah, but a European GP, those don't, those, those don't really Which count. Had more than double the number of people that were in Charleston. Right, but, like, those don't really count. I mean, like, when it wins an SCG Invitational, then, oh, then that's well, a I mean, deck. Well, I mean, that's, that's like the Pro Tour, man. Yeah, yeah. We love and, you, uh, Todd. <laughs> big shout-out to, to um, Aaron Forsyth, who uh, asked me why I wanted foil tokens. Also, who stopped ignoring Chris. Why do you want foil tokens? Because I just think they'd be an awesome extra, you know? Like we've got foil pretty much everything else. Now, would the foil token replace the token in the pack, or would there be a non-foil token in the pack as well? It would replace the token in the pack. See, I think logistically that'd probably be more difficult. Maybe. But I still want to see it. Like, it would be awesome. No, but I think if you they they could probably, like... Well, I mean, it'd be awesome, but at the same time, like, you'd want to make them, like, extra rare, right? Yeah, well, maybe. Well, like, probably on the same uh, level that, like, say, a um, uh, a foil rare would be. Like, the odds of you getting foil rare are the same as the odds of you getting foil token. No, because, I mean, they, they've never openly acknowledged it, but I think tokens have their own rarity run anyway. Of course they do. Uh, I thought they, they had acknowledged I it. Thought, I thought they, that it was um, basically the, uh, based off of what creature or what card produces that token, and if it's, you know, a rare, then the token's rare. If it's a mythic rare, then the token's mythic rare. The, the Have they ever actually openly said that, though? They've mentioned something like that, but if... Like, it's something along what Adina said, but there's one of them that's not... that doesn't hold up. I forgot what it was, but there's a common that made tokens that, like, the common token was extremely hard to find. I forgot well, was, I mean, though. the thing is, the, what, the rarest ones to get were the worm coil engine tokens, because... They were Coil was a mythic, and you needed two. Right. So that was the hardest one to get to come by. I've got both of them. I've got three Vraska Assassin tokens. I finally got the uh, actually a shout out to the guy who I have no idea what your name is at the PTQ who opened a Vraska who opened an Assassin token and actually Vraska in the same pool. And I was like, oh, I was like, are you going to use that? And he's like, well, there's a Vraska in the pool, but like that he was passing. But he was like, no, nah, who cares about the guy who's getting it? You can have it. So shout out to that guy, because I got my third one, thanks to him. <laughs> nice. But, I mean, I, for one thing, I would like him to put uh, symbols on the tokens, because they already have the set symbol. So I'd like him to put the rarity symbol on there, and I'd really like, if they did foil tokens, that the, to- the foils should have the same rarity as the tokens. So, uh, like, a zombie token would be really easy to come by, but the Armada Worm 5-5, five, five, for example, would be really difficult to find. On a side note, if we can, if we're going on about what we'd like, uh, I would actually be really cool is for one set, like obviously not these coming up now, but if they were to have full art tokens for one set, that would be sweet too. Maybe we need to save that for the uh, the Christmas wish list episode of the podcast. 
Yeah. Or there like we go. in my case, the Hanukkah wish list. Uh, okay. We'd have to do it in between the two because Hanukkah starts on the ninth this year, doesn't it? Also, uh, yeah, I haven't looked. So that's all the shoutouts I had. I think I can't think of anything else. On a uh, side note, because we mentioned it, uh, Dave Shields actually won uh, Grand Prix Dallas Fort Worth, Fort Worth in uh, 2011, which was the one that was uh, kind of infinite miss because it had four Cobblades and four Rug variants in the top eight. Oh, yeah. So he must have been incredibly good on, on his game that weekend. Yes. Yeah, so he, yeah. you were right. He actually did, he did win a GP. There we go. So no shame in losing to him. All right. On that note, let's wrap this baby up. So for Adina, for Will, and for Travis, this is Chris saying join us again next time for another exciting episode of Horde of Notion. Hell right.